0: What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are locked on Reds. And here we go. For today's Phone It In Friday, I have the man in charge of Red Leg Nation, RedsMinorLeagues.com, and as I've mentioned before, Kind of, sort of, my new boss, Doug Gray, is on the phone with us. How are you doing today, Doug?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited about what the next week holds. Personally, from I mean, both. I mean, I'm the minor league guy, so there's a lot of things going on in the minor leagues. But I'm pretty excited just to kind of see what the Reds can do over the next week when it comes to you know the, the trade deadline. Whether it's going to be do they hold? Do they make small trades? Do they go for big trades, or do they just decide, hey, we're going to quote unquote go for it and, you know, hold steady or maybe even make a trade for this year and next year.
0: Let's jump right into that because we are only days away now from the hard and fast deadline. There's no such thing as the waiver trade period anymore. It's all ending on July 31st, and we've seen so many. I mean, I wouldn't even say mixed reports, but, like, you've got Dick Williams saying we are buyers, You've got Nick Kroll saying, well, we're looking at the future. And then there was a thing on MLB.com the other day from Mark Sheldon saying that the Reds are ready to go for it this year. I'm like, whoa, okay, <laughs> what does all of this mean? And how do you see things playing out up to July 31st?
1: I, mean, I think that the way they've played, unfortunately, since the All-Star break, has really taken them out of the we're really going to go for it this year. Now that's not to say that they're not going to make a trade that could help this year, but I don't think that they're going to go out and try and acquire somebody who is only going to help the team this year. Unless it's a relief pitcher of, you know, a a middle reliever. They're not going to go out and trade real assets to try and get, you know, a guy at the back end of the bullpen like maybe they would have had they played well coming out of the second half. Um, But I I do think that they are legitimately looking for talent to acquire, and maybe even – good higher-end talent uh, that can help beyond this year. Um, now, whether that's just for the rest of this year in 2020 or somebody that's even in a longer-term asset than that, I, I don't know. But I, I do think that they are out there trying to look for things to acquire that are more than just this year. Um, and I, I, You never really know what's out there in those kinds of scenarios. I mean, you, you've heard the rumors that you know, Trevor Bower's available, and he's a free agent after next year. But, I mean, outside of him and maybe one other guy, there hasn't been somebody that's been rumored out there that fits that role right now. Uh, more often than not, you're hearing about guys that are free agents at the end of this year. And those, those guys probably aren't on the red radar.
0: And, that, and they really shouldn't be. I mean, you don't want to go crazy with this year, especially since basically since opening day. We've been talking about that point in 2019 when the Reds finally hit a run and get on a good run, and then we know that they are contenders. And it still hasn't happened yet. We're still saying, well, just wait, just wait. And you still have David Bell saying in post-game interviews, when we do get on a run, like he was talking about Iglesias the other day, and he's just like, well, when we do finally get on a run, he's going to be our late-inning guy that shuts down the games. And I'm just like – man, we are getting to the point where you almost can't say that anymore. It's getting really late to be talking about when we're growing up, isn't it?
1: I mean, if you're going to talk about just this year, yeah. I mean, it's, it's July. It's you know, it's the end of July right now. Right. Counting on going on a run. I mean, and even at this point, if they go on a run, what is that, 10 wins in a row? If the Reds win 10, wins or 10 games in a row starting tomorrow, they're still not in first place probably. Right. I mean, it would be, it would be very difficult for them to be in first place winning ten in a row starting tomorrow. I, and and that's not gonna keep up. Even if you do win ten in a row, it's not like you're gonna just keep winning every game. You can, you know, win ten in a row and then play, you know, five twenty five baseball and still miss the playoffs. And that
0: that's not to say too that like I don't want to hear positivity from my manager, but at the same point, I don't want the front office to get wrapped up in all that.
1: Right, and you're, you, that's a great point. David Bell's job is to want to win every game, to try and go out there and win every game. And that, not that that's not the front offices thing, but they've got a very different view. They're not really looking at a day-to-day basis. They're trying to win for the long term. And obviously you want to win for the short term too, but they can't make decisions based on next week, where David Bell should be making decisions for next week. He should be making decisions for tomorrow, whereas, you know, Nick Kroll, Dick Williams, uh, they should not be really focusing on, Hmm, let's make a move so we can win August 1st through sixth. Like that. That's not what their job description is.
0: Exactly. And I tell you what, there's been a couple of names. Like you said, there's not been a ton of rumblings about guys who don't have expiring contracts, but I have heard the wonderful reports of, well, this team isn't saying he's not available. And... Well, I mean,
1: the, yeah, but the, the Reds apparently have right. said that about Luis Castillo, too. And, <laughs> right. And it's like, of course, I mean, of course Luis Castillo is technically available. If the Angels called up and said, hey, we'll trade you Mike Trout straight up to Luis Castillo, of course the Reds are going to say yes. That deal's never going to that, that's never going to be offered, though. But, of course, you in case somebody just loses their mind for a minute and you can make that deal, you're going to make it. You don't ever just say no, but... A lot of those things are, well, unless you're a drunken sailor who somehow got the keys to the ship and the treasure chest, this isn't going to happen.
0: <laughs> right. You, this is the time of year where you hear people saying, well, we're not, not going to trade him, but we might think about not uh, holding on to him. Right. <laughs> but with that being said, I, I'd heard... Just to play hypothetical for two seconds, three names, and, and one of them we heard a while ago, but three names that I've heard a little bit about the Reds being linked to, Charlie Blackman, Clint Fraser, and and then also there was a nice piece on RedLegNation.com the other day about Marcus Stroman. What do you think would cost to get one of those guys, and are the Reds willing to pay that cost? I
1: think that for... Charlie Blackman, you got to look at it. He's, I mean, he's got like four years of team control left. I mean, they're not cheap years. It's going to cost you a lot of money. I believe that three of those four years are $21 million. And then the final year, I I believe it's a $10 million option. Um, But, I mean, he does sort of fit that quote unquote need for the team, and he's a long term asset. Um, But he also costs a lot of money. So you you do wonder exactly what it would take in terms of, you know, I mean I'd imagine for the most part the Rockies would probably would prospect back for him. Um, I, I think it would probably be expensive. I think it would take a Taylor Kamel Jonathan India kind of package. Um, I I don't think the Reds would necessarily be against that. Uh, I'm not I'm not entirely sure that Charlie Blackman is the guy so to speak for them. Um, it just probably it, it probably depends on exactly how they feel about his defense right now. Um, you know, if he's going to move to a corner, uh, they probably have a spot available right now. You know, it's Yasiel Puig and Jesse Winker, um, maybe Philip Urban, depending on exactly how they want to play that out. But Yasiel Puig's a free agent, and whether any of us like it or dislike it, it, it doesn't appear that the Reds have talked to him about an extension at this point. And so I don't think that they're really going to approach that. I mean, if it's, you know, the end of July and you haven't had that discussion, even to just see if he's interested, you're probably not going to have it. I mean, he's been the hottest hitter in baseball for what, seven weeks now. And you still haven't asked him, Hey man, what would it take to sign you for next year or the next couple of years? And you haven't had that conversation. Probably not happening. So I'd imagine that at least one corner spot is going to be open. And then you kind of factor in that, you know, by the end of his contract, he's going to be 36. Um, do you believe that he can play the outfield that entire time? Because if you don't, then you, he's not the guy you can go get because Joey Votto is still going to be So you can't slide him to first base. Um, and while I've been screaming from the rooftops that the National League needs to just get with it and accept that the DH is a thing and bring it on, until we know that's going to happen, you, you can't just go out and be like, okay, well, we'll figure it out later when it, you're going to have two guys that are making that much money that would really be limited to first base. You don't want to put a $20 million guy on your bench. Right. Uh, so that, that's where you need to really talk with your scouts and be like, Hey, four years from now, can this, you think this guy could still play right field, left field? Um, but he uh, definitely helped the next couple of years. That battle play. Um, that battle really play. Now with Marcus Stroman, that's one where I'm not entirely sure how I feel. <laughs> um, you know, he's a free agent after next season. So he would be here and help next year. Um, I think that in this market, it'll probably cost you a decent amount of you know, talent to acquire him because you know starting pitching is, I mean, whether we want to accept it or not, it's more expensive than what equal talent would be. So you know, if, if we're going to talk about value to the team, pitchers cost more to acquire at the trade deadline or even in the off season via trade, than a player who would be just as valuable to your team as an outfielder or a third baseman. Um, and so I, I think that he would be pretty expensive for just that one year. Um, now, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but uh, that, that's just kind of where I'm sitting. And it is only a one year guy. I'd be hesitant to really give up a, a guy like, you know, Trammell or Jonathan India just for that one year, because I, I know you get him for this year, but I I think that for the most part we're all in agreement the Reds aren't going to make it this year. So you're really playing for next year. Right,
0: and plus you've got the issue with he's being reported to multiple teams, so you'd have a bidding war.
1: Yes. And, now you know, I I don't want to say this, like I I have insight to this, but I'd imagine Charlie Blackman's probably got multiple teams looking at it too. He's he's, he's pretty good, and because of that team control he's got, even though it is expensive – um, I, I'd imagine there's probably going to be some bidding on him too. Oh yeah. Now here's, here's the one that our, our, our good friend at, at red leg nation, Jason Linden is going to love, you know, there, there's been some rumors that, you know, it's possible Francisco Lindor could be available. Mm-hmm. If the, if the reds are really going to go try and make a trade and give up real assets, go for it. Go for, go all in and get, and get Francisco Lindor. That's, I think that that's the kind of move that I would totally be willing to quote-unquote sell the farm for. Um, If he is truly available, he's an absolute game-changer, and I I think that that's the move more so than any other move available out there, or at least rumored to be available out there. Um, If you're really going to go for it and make that big splash, which, I mean, we don't know if the Reds are truly going to be out there trying to make that kind of move. But if it is, that's where I'd throw my money. Absolutely. he's in this case.
0: <laughs> Right. He's a guy that, like, uh, I don't know. Like, if I'm Dick Williams, if, if I call up the Cleveland and they say, yeah, sure, we're listening to offers, I'd be like, pretty much take your pick. I've got two guys I don't want you to pick. But then other than that, who do you want?
1: <laughs> right. It, 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 yeah. You know, Let's talk
0: about those two guys if that's what it's going to take. Right. I mean, would you – and it it sucks that we're even mentioning this because it came up in Wednesday afternoon's game. But with this weird cloud that seems to hang over Nick Senzel of the whole thing, well, is Vertigo a problem for him? I hesitate to really – get on that all in, but when it comes to something that you cannot stop, something that you cannot get rid of, is it something to even look at to maybe be like, uh, maybe he isn't untouchable?
1: Well, I I think that there's, there's some real, you know, merit to what you're saying at the same time, because there is merit to that other teams are think are thinking that too. And so Mm -hmm. the value that you may get versus what may actually be there is probably diminished a little bit because of that. So if I'm the red, even if I do believe that there is that uncertainty with the situation, and again I, I have no idea if there is or isn't. I can only go based on what Nick has said, you know, to me and to others in interviews, um, sure. that it's it's under control. And I mean, realistically, I mean there hasn't been an issue as far as we know since he got things under control last year as far as the vertigo goes. Um, you know, the the reports are that he he was sick. And there was a quote-unquote scare earlier this year. I think it actually also happened in Milwaukee um, where he left the game because he wasn't feeling well, and it turned out that he just had a migraine. And so, you know, until we find out more, I'm going to go with he just wasn't feeling well. Um, If that's not the case, and if this situation that popped up is the vertigo again, then I think that that's a situation where his his value versus real value is going to be diminished. And I'd better just hold on to him at that point and just roll the dice.
0: That's a good thought. And it's definitely not saying that I would put him in a trade for Lindor right now. But what would you think of the Reds moving forward if, say, that happened? Say Nixon's L is included in a deal and we're looking at a team core that includes Suarez, Lindor, maybe Jesse Winker, yeah, and an aging Joey Votto moving forward. Is that progress, or is that just a lateral move?
1: I think that it can be looked at as both. Because you got to think Nick Zell is under team control for six more years beyond here. Uh, Lindor is not. And so you'd have to extend Lindor, um, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. So that's going to kind of take away some... Uh, some assets in terms of money that you could spend if you kept Senzel versus getting Lindor. Now, Lindor's a better player. I love Nick Senzel. No disrespect to Nick Senzel. Francisco Lindor is one of the best five players in baseball when he's healthy. Right. Uh, he, he's really, really, really good. Um, but I, I, I do think that it does kind of change the way that you would go about building your team. Um, I, I don't know if I'd make that deal. I, I really don't.
0: Without a doubt, though, should they add Francisco Lindor, that will make the Reds just uh, – that would make me super happy the rest of the year. Hopefully not for like a guy like Senzel or Luis Castillo or something like that. But, man, if they can – <laughs> that's going to be awesome. Um, kind of moving from the hypotheticals and moving away from – the trade aspects, there's been a lot of movement within the minor league system here in the last week. We've got Jonathan India moving up to double a and kicking butt in double a as well. And then you got Nick Lodolo starting. We're recording this Thursday is starting Thursday night up in Dayton. I have a couple of different questions I want to ask after we talk about that, but let's look at the moves themselves. What, can we expect from Nick Lodolo tonight in Dayton?
1: Well, the Reds have been pretty cautious with his workload since he was drafted. Uh, he, he made six starts in Billings, and he threw all of 11.1 innings in those six starts. Uh, none of them were shut down by rain or ineffectiveness. He was actually really, really good uh, with Billings. He, he allowed three earned runs, so that's a 2.38 ERA. He didn't walk anybody, and he struck out 21 of the 46 batters he faced. Like, he dominated out there, which, you know, that's what you would expect out of, a, you know, the top pitcher in the draft going to rookie ball. Uh, so he, he did everything you would expect of him um, within his ability. Like, you know, obviously some people are like, oh, well, he should have pitched more innings. But that wasn't up to him. Like the Reds were like, hey, you're throwing 25 pitches today. Today you're throwing 35. Today you're throwing 45. Like that, that's, that's out of his control. Uh, when he was on the mound, he dominated. Uh, I think that we're going to see more of that. I, I think that he's just – he's at a level that he's better than the guys that are going to be on the other side of the field at, at, at Dayton. I mean, he just – he is. Um, and the real question comes down to, is he going to throw three innings or four innings? That, that's something that we don't know yet. Um, by the time you listen listening to this, you'll know because the game won't happen. But going into <laughs> it, that's really the only question that I've got is how many pitches is he going to be allowed to throw tonight?
0: I'm interested to see, too, because I noticed the biggest stat from Billings in my mind was the 21Ks and absolutely no walks, absolutely no hit by pitches. Is it a case that he is able to induce a lot of batters to chase, or does he just pound the strike zone with every single pitch?
1: Uh, Yes to both. Um, His his slider is is really, really good, and especially at the lower levels, he can make it. I mean, I think he could do it at higher levels too, but he can get that pitch to look like a strike long enough and then break out of the zone that the, the lesser advanced guys in these in the minor leagues at the lower levels, they, they don't have much of a chance of that. Like he, he, he can really manipulate that pitch. I don't even want to say manipulate. He can throw it to the point where it looks good long enough that they can't hold back. And then it's too late. Um, but when he needs to throw it in the strike zone as well, he can do that. Um, but most of these hitters, he doesn't have to do that. And when you don't have to do that, it lessens your chance for making a mistake on that pitch too. Uh, But he's definitely also a guy who can pound the strike zone with, with all three slash four of his pitches. Uh, He throws a slider, but every, every so often, he'll kind of manipulate it and it'll be more of a curve ball than a slider. But um, he, he calls it a slider and, you know, he just kind of says, you know, sometimes it'll, it'll be a little bit more curve-like. So (laughs) depending on exactly what day, he might be throwing four pitches rather than three, but, you know,
0: basketball change up spider guy. New game day shirt. Boom. Cashback. Food for the tailgate? We've got a great deal right now for the Lockdown Reds listeners. If you download the Postmates app and put in promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you get $100 in free deliveries for your first seven days. Postmates doesn't just deliver food. It also delivers groceries. If you need something from the convenience store, just about anything you can think of. If you're stuck in a bind where you really need something brought to you, because you can't go out and get it, Postmates it. Postmates is the best way to get yourself that Chipotle burrito, just like I did the other day. I really wanted a burrito, but the game was about to start and I didn't want to mess with that. So I Postmated it. Download the Postmates app today and enter promo code on for $100 in free deliveries for your first seven days. And now I say that they say $100 in free deliveries. Let's face it, if you think that you can rack up more than $100 in f- delivery fees for your first seven days, then <laughs> that's thats impressive. Basically, Postmates is saying for your first seven days, you're going to get free delivery. So check it out, Postmates app, promo code LOCKEDON. When it comes to Jonathan India going to Chattanooga, he's almost had more hits than outs. He's just had a great time.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, he. I mean, it's been it's only been three games so far, but he's hitting four fifty five. He's drawn a walk. He's been hit by a pitch, and he's stolen two bases. That's a pretty <laughs> good start. Um, and you know, if you, if you just look at the raw stat line for Jonathan India this year, uh, his time in Daytona, it, it may not look really good. I mean, his OPS I think was like .758 or something. Uh, right. for the Tortugas down in, in the Florida State League, but that's almost 100 points higher than the league average. Like, nobody really hits in the Florida State League. The guys that really hit in the Florida State League, that's when you really kind of go, whoa, like, who, who is this dude? Um, one of my more favorite examples, like, Ryan Braun, the year before his rookie year, uh, you know, when he came out and hit like 30-something home runs in three quarters of the season, he hit mm-hmm. seven home runs in the Florida State League. Like, guys just don't hit for power there. And when you don't hit for power, that kind of drags down the rest of your staff. And so if you are going to look at what Jonathan India did before his promotion, just keep in mind that nobody really hits in the Florida State League. And he was much better than average, even though it doesn't appear so when you just look at the surface stats.
0: So just for all the people that were stat watching in the minor leagues, scouts have not changed their tune on his tools, have they?
1: No, and what's actually interesting is I, I've actually seen scouts that have been higher on his tools this year um, than some of them were last year. Um, I personally I, I don't think that they've changed uh, based on what I've seen. Now, granted, it's very little of what I've seen this year, um, and not that that's a bad thing because you know I felt he was a top 100 prospect coming into the year. Like there's nothing wrong with Jonathan India, um, right. but yeah, I mean there there are some out there who who have him rated a, a little bit higher this year than they did last year.
0: And with uh, the other promotions that were subsequent to that, I know that the re- one of the big reasons that he got moved up was that Mitch Nay was moved up to AAA. And y- you've had some words that you've written about Mitch Nay. Is he a guy? Maybe not this year, but maybe next year the Reds might see in the majors.
1: I mean, I think that Mitch Nay is a major leaguer. Now, okay. the question of whether the Reds will see him or not is there's there's a few layers to that. So let's let's start off with um, right now, he's not on the 40-man roster. He is a 25-year-old. Now, that's, that sounds a little bit old. And to be fair, it is a little bit old for a guy to just be reaching AAA. But Mitch May also missed nearly two full seasons. Um, he had a knee issue. I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not even sure that he even understands exactly how it happened. But nonetheless, he got staph infection in his knee, and it required multiple oh, wow. surgeries, over a a long period of time before he could recover and even get back onto a baseball field, much less, you know, return to the player that he could have been because, you know, over that time he didn't play. He wasn't able to work out. Like there was a lot of things going on to just get him back to being capable of being on the field, much less having success. Um, and so while he is 25, it's not like a guy who's been 25 and has been playing this whole time and finally just kind of putting things together, but he's really putting things together right now. Um, He's hitting 301 on the season, slugging five fifty two, And mind you, he's played two games in AAA where the baseball is just flying like crazy this year. So all of that has been done in the A Southern League where you know, he was among the top ten in average. He was leading the league in OPS. He was leading the league in slugging. Uh, I mean, he's, he struck out 48 times this year in 84 games. So he's making contact. He's hitting for, he looks good. Um, but he's a free agent at the end of this year unless the Reds add him to the 40-man roster. Now, I personally believe that they will add him to the roster, but until they do, we don't really know. Uh, And so that's layer one is, will the Reds see him? We don't know because it's possible he's a free agent at the end of the year and they let him walk. Um, Now, part two is he's pretty much a first baseman, third baseman at this point in his career. Well, we know who's a first baseman, a third baseman on this Reds team for the next couple of years, and they're not exactly going anywhere. Nope. So that that's kind of an issue too, because even if they do decide to keep him and Adam is a 40 man roster this off season, where's he going to play? Uh, and that, that's, that's a bigger question. I think, because I feel a lot more confident that the Reds are going to keep him around than where he's going to play in the major leagues for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, obviously, if he's going to hit like this, the rest of the way Triple A, you're not going to let that guy walk because there's going to be some sort of trade value, if nothing else, um, To try and get for him, Um, but as far as playing for the Reds, that's that's what I just don't know because there's going to have to be a spot opened up, unfortunately, by injuries, and you never want that to happen to somebody else. Right.
0: And and with that being said, seeing that he may be kind of blocked, unless maybe they can get him to play in the corner outfield, which is also a logjam in and of itself. Is he on other teams' radars with his performance, or is he kind of fallen off of the radars around the league because of his injuries?
1: I mean, I, I'm sure he's on people's radar at this point. He's a former first-round pick, uh, so I mean, there's always that. People always kind of take notice of that, whether it's fair or unfair. You know, they're going to notice. Okay, this guy was very highly thought of at one point, point. Uh, and then you know, with what he did in Double A, I mean, those you, he stands out on the field at this point, point. Uh, and so I'm sure the scouts have had him on the radar now. If we're going to talk about trade value this year, he probably doesn't have much because, again, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, And so, you know, teams are going to be factoring that in uh, into their, you know, what is he actually, like, what's what's the actual value there? Now, granted, they can also just acquire him and add him to the 40-man roster, keep him around. Um, But it's a little bit different if he were already there. Um, So I I don't think there's a ton of trade value right this second. Um, But if he you know, performs very well the rest of the way in AAA, I think that his value would actually go up because it'll show, I mean, even with the baseball being the way that it is, it'll show that he can handle, you know, guys that can throw breaking balls exactly where they want them more often. And that, 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 that is of value. It's not a ton of value because you, you do feel comfortable that that's going to be something that a guy can do by watching them in AA. But being able to see it and say for sure, yeah, you know, he can hold back on a, you know, 86-mile-an-hour slider located in the corner of the strike zone, um, you know, versus a guy that can also throw 94, um, you don't see that kind of pitcher too often in A, whereas you see it more often in AAA. So you know, there, there is a little sense. bit of an extra value that could be had if he does perform for the next six weeks in AAA.
0: That makes sense. And, and, and with these moves, it's something that I've been wondering, is this, or is, is these, wow, well, okay. Are these moves indicative of the change at the top for the minor league scouting and the minor league development uh, positions with the Reds' front office? Or is it something that the Reds probably, had they still had the same leadership from last year, would they have made it? I guess what I'm asking is, is this indicative of the change in the front office?
1: Yeah, I don't really think so. Um, if If you looked at it in the past, it seems that the Reds were a team and a lot of teams are like this, um, you know. At, at the midseason point, that's kind of when a lot of teams made those promotions. This year, they came a couple of weeks after the midseason point in the minor leagues. Um, but to be fair, a lot of the a lot of the farm system hasn't been performing well on an individual basis either, uh, especially among the top prospects. And you know, we mentioned Jonathan India's season. Like he he played well, but it's not like he tore the cover off the ball. He didn't go out and do what Nick Sinzel had done a couple of years ago in Daytona, and so. You know, there, there was a, a reasonable argument that maybe he, he, he could stay around a little bit longer down there. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think that there have been some differences that I've noticed in you know 2019 that we didn't see earlier. Um, but I, I don't think that these kind of promotions have anything to really do with the new guys making decisions versus, you know, the previous uh, regime. Uh, I, I think that for the most part it it's been rather similar to how things have been operated
0: that's what made me wonder because i know that at least amongst red's twitter there's been a lot of criticism about how they've moved guys through the farm system how they've it seems like to most people that they've waited too long to promote guys and almost made it drag out longer than it seems so i was wondering if maybe that was indicative that things were changing but how do you feel as though the new leadership is moving through this season and into the future?
1: Well, First, let me address the Reds moving players too slow through the system thing. You're all wrong and have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, 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 I've been screaming this from the rooftops for the last couple of years because it keeps coming up. Now, I, I do think they moved a little bit slow with Nick Senzel. I'll be 100% fair and honest with that one. I think that, unfortunately, his injuries did have a little bit to do with that Um and I do think that they manipulated his service time, I mean, even as far back as 2018. I think that in the situation when Suarez broke his thumb, uh, was that mid-April of last year, when you've got a Nick Senzel, you call up a Nick Senzel in that situation. Uh, right. Fortunately, it worked out for the Reds that you know, Suarez missed, heck, he even missed two full weeks. I mean, it was ridiculous how quickly he came back from that injury. Um, but you didn't know that that first or second day that he was going to be able to recover that quickly. Like, you could have hoped for it, maybe, uh, Eugenio Suarez is a freak of nature in the best kind of way possible. But you, you really didn't know that that was going to play out that way when it happened, and they didn't do that. Um, but aside from that situation, uh, you know, I just don't think that the Reds have moved guys slowly. Uh, you know, we look around Major League Baseball, and you, you'll, you'll see your Ronald Acuna juniors and you know, your Ozzy Albies and your Vladimir Guerrero juniors coming up at 19 and 20 years old and just crushing the ball. The Reds don't have those guys. I mean, we may want them to have those because they don't have those guys. Um, I'm not going to mention any names because I, I really like this guy, but there was, you know, a, a prominent person in the Red blogosphere over the last year who's been pushing that we need to promote Taylor Trammell quickly. T- Taylor Trammell has a OPS under 700 for the last 14 months in minor league baseball. That's not a guy that you push quickly. You know, Ronald Cunha Jr. was OPSing 1,000 uh, as, as a teenager in the minor leagues. That's a guy that you push very quickly. But the Reds just unfortunately have not had that guy who's both a combination of incredibly raw talent and then also gone out and just blown through the minor leagues with their numbers. When they have had those guys, and they're very rare when they do, they've pushed them very, very quickly. The only two guys that I can think of that have done that though, in the last decade plus, Jay Bruce, who again, he got to the major leagues when he barely was 21 years old Mm -hmm. and Tony Cingrani, who got... To the major leagues less like, or a little more than a year after he was drafted. And that's it. And those are, I mean, those are realistically the only guys that have gone through and just completely dominated the minor leagues. Like you would think that a guy who could get to the major leagues quickly would. I, I, I just think that the criticism is because people see these other teams that have these super talented young players that, I mean, let's be realistic here. We're talking about guys that they're doing things that, you know, put them in the same landscape as King Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, guys like that, guys that are getting up there at 19 and 20 years old and performing very well in the major leagues. Like, guys that do that are future Hall of Famers almost all of the time. Right. I mean, we're, we're, the expectations are unrealistic. Just because other teams seem to be having them every so often now does not mean that that's what you should expect. But I feel that that's what people are expecting, and it's just, it's just not realistic. It's not fair to the Reds, unfortunately. You know, it'd be great to have that guy. I'd love to have that guy as a Red fan. It'd be awesome, but expecting that guy to exist in your system isn't fair. Expecting your players to be that guy isn't fair.
0: No, and I, and I'm with you. I now, think it stems from like a fan bias. There's a, the, everyone says that every fan loves their team's prospects. And overvalues them because they always think, oh, well, this guy's going to bring in that marquee trade that we're talking about. And that's just not necessarily the case. Like, I always tell people go to Fangraphs, go to the different websites that have prospect rankings, and actually take that into account. Don't look at prospect rankings as, oh, well, you're wrong. My guy's way better than what you're saying. Like, Fangraphs only has one player. Rated at a future value of 70 or more. And he's in the Ray's farm system. And I forgot the guy's name.
1: I'll tell you, it's Wander Franco. And he absolutely is incredible. And I love him. Right.
0: But he is (laughs) not to be a guy that's expected to be in every farm system. Because if that were the case, then there's no need to sign free agents. You just keep bringing these guys up. So it's like, just slow down with your bias a little bit. And actually take in the information that's provided.
1: Yeah, and you know, to be fair, like this—this this is my full-time job. So, like, realistically, like I should have more information on these situations than your average fan because they've right. got other things to do in their life and sit around and look at baseball stuff all day. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas that's pretty much what I do all day. Because fortunately for me, I've found a way to make this work for me in my career. Um, mm-hmm. But that—that that, that is one of the things that I—I I, I wish that there was a better understanding of what's going on because I do hear that a lot and I see that a lot and. Unfortunately, it's just not based in reality. Um, I, I, I really wish the Reds could have a guy like Wander Franco, who, just to put it out there, um, since he's been promoted to the Florida State League as an 18-year-old, he has less swinging strikes than he does home runs. Wow. Think about that for a minute. Like That's the kind of, like, that's the kind of guy we're talking about in Wander Franco being a 70-rated prospect. Which basically is Scout saying he's a borderline future Hall of Famer, and they're saying that when he's 18 years old, which doesn't happen. Like they just don't throw that kind of thing around very often.
0: Sheesh. sounds like if Doogie Howser was in community college.
1: <laughs> exactly. You
0: just, <laughs> you,
1: you just totally dated yourself on that one, though, Jeffer. Some of the younger <laughs> listeners are like, "What? Who is that?" Yeah, I, I that that show, I think, I think that show ceased to exist in like '93. So <laughs> yeah. you're 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 old, my man. You're old.
0: <laughs> I, I no doubt there for sure. Well, hey Doug, I, I appreciate you having on, man, and that, this has been a great episode. Um, with everything with Ladolo coming up uh, and all that stuff, what's going on over at Leagues dot com?
1: Same old stuff, Jeff. Um, just covering the farm system every day, uh, looking back, seeing what's going on in the games every morning, um, and then. You know, throughout the day, I try and get up at least one or two posts of just highlighting stuff that guys are doing in, in recent times, you know, who's, who's been hot over the last couple of weeks and um, you know, just little fun stuff like that. So if you're if you're interested in the farm system, head on over there. And if not, uh, well, at least you like the red, so you can head over to com where we cover all the big league stuff every day too.
0: Absolutely. Hey, Doug, thanks for having me on, and hopefully we'll have you back soon.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Jeff.
0: That'll do it for us this week here on the Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the show. Make sure that you're subscribed on all the major podcasting platforms to get the new episode each and every day. And also, check us out on Twitter, at Locked on Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And hit us up on the Locked on Reds line, 513-549-0159. I'll talk to you guys again on Monday. My name is Jeff Carr, and this is the Lockdown Reds podcast. Go Reds, and have a great weekend.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.